This podcast discusses adult themes and violent crime. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 4, Beneath the Surface. Chapter 1, Victims. In Newport Beach, California, back in 2013, two people walking along the beach at 6 a.m. found a corpse laying face down in the sand. It was the body of a young Asian woman washed up on the shore. For two nights, there were candlelight vigils for the unidentified girl. People had theories about who she was. The most popular guest was a student from the local university. Strangers, heartbroken over such a senseless death, said prayers for her and for her loved ones. On day three, her autopsy was completed. Tina Hong... 20-year-old prostitute and new mother was the victim of homicide. Her mourners seemed to vanish overnight, leaving only her mother, her two-month-old baby, and a handful of friends in their place. To the world, Tina's profession seemed to change everything. It minimized the tragedy of her death and all but erased the interest in her murder. Inside the NBPD, Tina's profession was seen only as a way to narrow our search for her killer. Justice doesn't need a sympathetic victim. Detective Sergeant Court Depwig, whose voice you'll hear in this podcast, has been known to paraphrase Voltaire. To the living, we owe respect. But to the dead, we owe the truth. And we owe no less to Tina Hong, regardless of the life she led. Welcome to Countdown to Capture. I'm Jennifer Manzella, your host for this podcast and the spokesperson for the Newport Beach Police Department. On Wednesday, October 10th, 2012, QC Chadwick, a wife and doting mother of three boys, was murdered in her home. Eight days later, her body was discovered in a dumpster a hundred miles away. Her sons, who have already had their mom ripped from their young lives, are now facing the unfathomable development that their own father is responsible. In this episode, I'll dig a little deeper into some facts about the case. In this episode, you'll also hear Lieutenant Brian Moore, who, back in 2012, was a detective assigned to this case. Chapter 2 Trouble at home. During a homicide investigation, detectives learn all they can about the victim and the suspect. As in the Tina Hong case, they don't do this to judge the individuals or their relationships. They do it because all victims deserve justice, and justice is easier to find when you know everything there is to know about the people involved. In the Chadwick case, their home becomes the most fruitful ground for research. Investigators find notes posted strategically around the house, reminders to pick up clothes and keep doors closed, supporting the comments they've heard about QC's desire for order and organization. QC has been described as an incredibly devoted mother, even as having excessive love for her children. And everywhere investigators turn, they see the smiling faces of the boys staring back at them from framed photos, collages, and artwork. 
Even QC's password file shows her unabashed affection for the boys. It is full of passwords like For My Three Sons and Three Sons Forever. QC's home has been her castle. Here she has everything she needed her family. Tragically, it is also where she died and where she was taken away from her boys forever. Peter, it seems, was not so satisfied with his home life. Friends recall passing comments about divorce, QC crying because she didn't receive any affection from her husband. There are clues that he was directing his affection elsewhere, and clues that QC knew about it. Mixed in with the sensible clothes in QC's wardrobe, detectives find a handwritten note titled, From Pete's Computer. It is a neatly numbered list showing 35 headings from her husband's internet search history. They include abortion cost in California, Chinese massage girls escort, team Tijuana escort girls, divorce Vicky Tran, California, and, chillingly, how to torture. In their interviews, they find that Peter has been unfaithful for a long time and that QC has suffered the consequences, both emotionally and physically. When asked why she hasn't left Peter, QC has simply stated that she wants the best life possible for her boys. Chapter 3. What About Juan? Peter Chadwick's explanation of QC's death has always been problematic. The story changes often, and the details are bizarre. For example, when asked to describe the knife that Juan used to threaten him during their 16-hour-long ordeal, Peter describes a small Swiss Army utility knife with a blade about two inches long, and he points out that the knife blade was very dull. His demeanor is also peculiar, as recorded in a detective's report. I noticed that Peter appeared unemotional and almost sleepy throughout our contact. He spoke very quietly and with a British accent. Peter was very slow to answer my questions and would take frequent long pauses during his answers. He frequently put his hands over his face as if he was going to cry. But when he removed his hands, he did not appear emotional. His eyes were not red and or watery. In one version of the Juan story, the killer sits on Peter's chest for a solid five minutes so that he can't attempt CPR on his dying wife. In another, Juan forces Peter to disrobe after QC is dead. Peter then tries to charge at Juan, but Juan grabs his testicles and squeezes them to subdue him. Investigators must be shocked that Peter remembers so little about the killer he brought into his home. Initially, the only facts that he can recall are Juan's name and haircut. During subsequent interviews, Peter is able to share more details. He described Juan as 5'10 or 5'11, late 30s to early 40s, muscular, clean-shaven, brown eyes, thin nose, wearing a long-sleeved black shirt with a low collar blue jeans, and white sneakers. During that same interview, Peter mentions that he was contacted by an officer on the 73 freeway Wednesday morning while returning home from his job site. Now, 
That would mean that Juan was in the car, right? Because Peter picked him up at the job site and then drove him back to the Chadwick home. So the officer would have seen Juan, and possibly the guard stationed at the entrance to his gated community too, right? Maybe. Peter is quick to point out that Juan sat in the back seat, you see, so maybe. But maybe no one saw him. No one did see Juan. No one at the job site, no one at the guard shack, none of Peter's neighbors, and no one at the Arco gas station in San Diego. There's only one more person to interview, the unnamed officer from the 73 freeway. And it's a bit of a challenge to track him down, but NVPD detectives are persistent. It would be easier if there was a citation or a warning to document the interaction on the freeway, but there was not. Peter had pulled onto the side of the highway to call a QC about their lunch plans, and an officer had contacted him to let him know that there was no stopping allowed and that he had to move along. Odds are that the mystery officer is a member of the California Highway Patrol. Now there are two CHP subdivisions that patrol this stretch of the 73 freeway, San Juan Capistrano CHP and Santa Ana CHP. When asked, the watch commander of the San Juan Capistrano office scours their logs, but finds no sign of Peter Chadwick's license plate number. He promises to ask around a briefing to see if anyone remembers the silver SUV. A similar call is made to the Santa Ana office. The watch commander there pours over his logs with better luck. Hours after Peter mentions the officer, NBPD detectives interview him over the phone. Yes, he remembers seeing the silver Lexus parked on the shoulder of the southbound 73 freeway right before the MacArthur Boulevard exit. It was Wednesday, October 10th, just before noon. He pulled up behind the SUV and approached it on the passenger side. After advising the driver that he could not stop on the shoulder of the highway, the officer made a note of the license plate number. The driver, he remembers, is a white male, about 40 years old, with dark blonde hair. He also remembers that, as a practical matter for officer safety, he scanned the passenger areas of the car for other occupants. There were none. Chapter 4. Stranger Than Fiction Every detective can tell you a story of an investigation where they just couldn't catch a break. Surveillance cameras run out of battery right as the suspect enters the frame. Nosy neighbors happen to be out of town when something suspicious happens. Witnesses have a change of heart and won't testify. Most detectives also have tales of incredible happenstance. In this case, that tale would involve the dumpster on Muth Valley Road. Strangely enough, this is not the first time that a body has been found at the end of this particular driveway. Another corpse was discovered there the previous year, and the owners were completely exonerated from any connection to the crime. The owners moved away in June of 2012 and had just moved back again at the end of September. And now, the body of Q.C. Chadwick has been found in their dumpster. Truth can be far far stranger than fiction. 
Interviews with the property owners make it clear that they have nothing to do with QC's murder. But oddly enough, they are very much responsible for the discovery of her body. Typically, their dumpster is emptied on a weekly basis, on Thursday mornings, around 6.30 a.m. QC Chadwick disappeared from her Newport Beach home on Wednesday, October 10th. By the next morning at 5.30, Peter Chadwick has surfaced in San Diego with a strange tale about Juan the body thief. An hour later, while Peter is still explaining his version of events to officers in a gas station parking lot, the waste removal truck is making its rounds. But it does not stop at this driveway on Muth Valley Road. QC's body, which should have been unceremoniously picked up and taken to a landfill, lays undisturbed. The property owners, the people renting that dumpster, happen to be in an ongoing dispute with the waste removal company and have not paid their bill. A week later, the dispute is still not settled and the truck passes by again. Later that same afternoon, an NBPD detective stands in front of the blue dumpster and discovers QC's body. In the midst of this horrible tragedy, it is one small mercy for QC's memory and for her poor sons. Peter Chadwick is described as a white male, 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighing 160 pounds, with brown hair and blue eyes. He was born on February 18, 1964, and is 54 years old at the time that this podcast was recorded. If you have any information about Peter Chadwick or his whereabouts, please call 1-800-550-NBPD or email us at tips at nbpd.org. This has been a production of the Newport Beach Police Department. For show notes, including photos and additional content, please visit countdowntocapture.com. Follow the NBPD on social media. We're at Newport Beach Police on Facebook and at Newport Beach PD on Twitter and Instagram. Our department website is nbpd.org. This concludes Episode 4 of the Countdown to Capture podcast. We hope you'll join us for Episode 5, titled In the Wind.